This is Archive Atlanta, episode 21, Westview Cemetery. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lamos. In all my jokes and mentions about my cemetery love, I have yet to do an episode about an Atlanta cemetery. But that all changes today because I get to tell you about my favorite one, Westview. When it comes to cemeteries, I feel like most people fall into two camps. You're either weirded out or completely obsessed. And in doing the bike tours, uh, we ride through Oakland. So I have seen this play out time and time again. I remember one girl just freaked out about walking on anything that wasn't a paved road. Even when I explained the original intent of a garden cemetery or the fact that Oakland is a city of Atlanta park, but it didn't help her. <laughs> so last week, I learned a new vocabulary word that I can't really say. I think it's taphophile. Um, and it's fairly new to the lexicon, but you can describe it as an individual who has a passion for cemeteries. Now, they can also be called, quote unquote, tombstone tourist, which I have officially adopted that because I think that word is awesome. And the real reason that I'm such a fan is that especially in a place like Atlanta, cemeteries seem to be the only ground that everyone agrees is sacred. It's rarely sold off to a developer. It can't be turned into condos. When the DOT projects find evidence of burials, everything must stop. And yes, there are exceptions to that, which almost always revolve around burials of African Americans. But in general, they seem to be protected sites. So for me, um, in Atlanta, cemeteries are, you can say, you know, this is the same ground it has been since it began. Oakland Cemetery is, of course, the most well-known Atlanta burial ground, and they do an amazing job to have that title. But I always have a soft spot for the underdog or the lesser known. The funny part about Westview is that it's the largest cemetery in the southeast, and it has its share of unique structures. It's just not as well known as its other Atlanta siblings. Before getting started, I want to give credit where it's due. I learned all about Westview from my friend and former neighbor, Jeff Clemens. Originally, I really wanted him to be my first interviewee, but I'm going to be real with you, I have yet to figure out the equipment or the editing skills required to have two people talking into this thing. Um, but I do want to share the story about how Jeff sort of came into my life. <laughs> so when I got divorced, uh, I moved into a townhouse and in the first few days, I noticed that this really cool looking guy lived two doors down and I thought, okay, we're going to be best friends. It's going to be awesome. Um, fast forward a few months, I really had yet to introduce myself. So I don't know how I thought that was going to happen, but I found myself um, at a meeting at the Atlanta Preservation Center. They have like volunteer meetings. So I'm at this meeting and I look at this guy who looks really strangely familiar and I walk up to him. I'm like, hey, do you live on Westfield Trace? And the rest is history. I happened to move in next door to a history lover who was also a volunteer tour guide and who had already written one book about a piece of Atlanta history. So from then on, I would often bring over uh, some baked goods. <laughs> and then when he needed to, I would attempt to cat sit his cat who does not like me at all. But um, I moved and then he actually just moved as well. But um, still love Jeff and try to keep in contact with him and also always ask him stuff about Atlanta history. Now, most recently, Jeff has authored a book called Atlanta's Historic Westview Cemetery. 
If you don't have it, it is a complete well-written. And let me tell you, not all of these history books are actually well-written. So this is a well-written book. I enjoyed reading it. Um, and it talks about every single thing you'll want to know. So I definitely have a link for that in the show notes. But today I'm just going to give you a little bit of an overview. So let's start with an understanding about where Westview Cemetery is today. Just underneath the I-20 line, it fronts uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Drive along one side and then Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard along the front entrance. You can actually see Westview from I-20 if you've ever been driving and just kind of wondered what that was. Now, this area is the city of Atlanta and is surrounding by amazing neighborhoods. And then recently, um, even a little Beltline spur kind of runs in front of the main gate Uh, as well as my new favorite trail called the Lionel Hampton Trail, which runs along the back of the undeveloped part of Westview. In Atlanta's infancy, it's a small, rough frontier town. And when someone dies, they're usually buried on family land, um, in a family plot, or maybe in their church's graveyard. As our city grew and developed, the first city burial grounds were located downtown at Baker Street and Peachtree, right around where the current Capital City Club is today. As the city began to grow even further, leaders realized that you can't have a cemetery in the middle of your city. Um, And so they kind of searched outward. By 1850, this is when L.P. Grant, who I talked about, uh, I think it's episode four, would sell six acres to the city for the establishment of a city-run cemetery. Atlanta Cemetery or Oakland Cemetery, as we know it now, would open that year, and in a short amount of time, it's completely filled. The cemetery was expanded, but by 1884, we're out of room again. So at this point, city leaders are like, okay, we need to get a lot of space far away so we don't have to do this over and over. Alternatively, it was thought of being unsanitary or bad for public health to live too close to burial grounds. So the city's really stretching out far and again, something that would last them for several decades. As the search starts to take shape, a group of businessmen proposed to the city that the new cemetery should be a private venture and that it would be more profitable and more successful as such. They propose finding the land, cobbling the acreage together, and forming a stockholder corporation. Of the 27 men, which, don't worry, I'm not going to list them all here, but I do want to point out a funny fact is that all of their last names are Atlanta street names. So just to, you know, they're kind of the big wigs of Atlanta, and I played a little game trying to figure out where each of the streets were if I knew. I will mention a few that I've talked about in previous episodes. You can get an idea. Um, L.P. Grant was one of them. Walker Inman, James English, Jacob Elsis. Um, So these were, you know, big names. Each of them would become a stockholder in the Westview Cemetery Association, and they would get a percentage of shares. Each percentage was a little different. After months of work, they cobbled together 577 acres, about three miles far west from the city. The area that they chose was far away enough from the fashionable West End, and it was kind of close to the undesirable part. So the, the poor houses were out here, the almshouses. Of this group of men, the one that would take the lead and really be the face of Westview, his name was E.P. McBurney. Edgar Poe McBurney was a New Yorker by birth, but grew up in Atlanta and had his hands in just about everything. Several business ventures, member of elite social clubs, and one of the families that helped establish the High Museum. 
He took the lead at Westview, and he wanted to model it after Woodlawn Cemetery, which was in the Bronx, New York. And that style was known as a quote-unquote lawn park. I learned a lot about the different styles of cemeteries in Jeff's book, but to give you an idea, lawn park cemeteries grow in popularity after the Civil War, and for me, it's kind of the typical cemetery look. Vast green, manicured lawn with modest-sized headstones, a few tall monuments kind of placed throughout, so very different from Oakland. And the goal behind this new style was the advent of the power lawnmower, so it was just easier to cut the grass with this. I mean, if you've been to Oakland, imagine kind of trying to run a power mower through there, you can't. When the city allowed the Westview Association to take over this city cemetery project, they required them to provide acreage for both an African-American burial site and one for paupers or those that could not afford proper burial. When it came to earlier cemeteries in Atlanta, African-American burials were along the back edge of a cemetery, if even allowed to be buried with whites at all. But even when black sections existed inside, it would often be in an undesirable location, usually low-lying areas. And when entering for a burial or funeral, blacks were only allowed in through the back. Westview agreed to create Rest Haven, an African-American section named for Gilbert Haven, who was a white Methodist bishop and social reformer. In this southwestern section, there are very few grave markers. That's generally the story of most African-American sections because think of the 1880s in Atlanta and how many African-Americans are going to have the funds for a large monument or any monument at all. But my favorite thing about Rest Haven is the marker for Andrew and Lula Hill. When I first saw it, It was kind of a clearing in the woods. The sun was shining on it. Cue the magic. Now keep in mind, this area is closed to the public and for good reason. It is not safe. The ground is covered with ivy, overgrowth, which keeps you from seeing all of the sunken holes in the earth and the uneven terrain. I had a super special behind the scenes tour um, to see this. So Andrew Hill was born into slavery. He went from janitor to landowner And his wife also began her life under enslavement, but went on to become a dressmaker for many prominent Atlanta women. And I think all of their children uh, went on to higher education and prestigious jobs. I will definitely put my only photo of this monument in the show notes for you guys to see. It's not the greatest, but it's something. Another fun fact, uh, Asa Ware, who I talked about in the Gaines Hall episode, would be temporarily buried in Rest Haven. So although a white man, he was president of Atlanta University, and uh, Westview was his final resting place until they reinterred him on the Atlanta University campus underneath a really large boulder. Right next to Rest Haven is God's Acre. The people buried in this section were buried in rows, and this is the poor and indigent, so no family plots. There are over 5,000 people buried here, and similar to Rest Haven, very few markers. Both sections would have a short shelf life, so to speak. Southview Cemetery, which is definitely getting its own episode very soon, would open shortly after Westview, becoming the place for Black Atlantans to be buried. And the relationship between Westview and the city of Atlanta over pauper burials would become very complicated. All that to say that these two sections of Westview have been unmaintained for several decades. 
For me, this is one of the saddest stories of the cemetery. Um, I think this is a great opportunity to tell the history of those often ignored in Atlanta's history, but it's a little early to get on my soapbox, so I'm going to leave that for another day. In the first five years of existence, the cemetery buried almost 3,000 people, yet all business transactions were done out of the Westview office, which was located downtown on Broad Street. Finally, in 1890, the gatehouse was built. Designed by Walter T. Downing, who also designed the Wimbish House, among other things in Atlanta. It was a Romanesque revival covered in stone that was quarried on site, and it had a large bell tower. The bell inside would ring during funerals, but I read that it would also let workers on the grounds know they had a phone call. (laughs) So, the days before cell phones. The greatest part is that this structure still remains. And it's no longer the main entrance, but it is along Ralph David Abernathy. You can pass it right now. Uh, if you do a drive-by. This structure is even more incredible because in a city where we do not have very many structures left, this makes the list as one of the oldest standing things in the city. Now, quick note that the gatehouse you see today was smaller when originally built, um, and they added some wings, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. If you have been inside exploring Westview, most people notice that there's a really large tower and wonder why the hell a cemetery has a giant tower. I was actually reading a Curbed Atlanta article um, about the cemetery, and in the comments, people asked about the tower, and someone, with an air of authority, I might add, wrote that the tower was a smokestack for the incinerator. This was last year, so the comments were closed, but I am dying a little inside thinking that God knows how many people are walking around believing this is a giant chimney. Most people don't know what it is, and it's for a good reason, because it's a bit unexpected. In 1891, a new company was started within the cemetery called Westview Floral. Their intent was to grow flowers inside greenhouses that would then be sold to families um, or plants that would be used to be planted around the cemetery. By 1893, there were two greenhouses in operation, totaling about the size of a football field. There's a 150-foot-long rose house and then another one for ferns um, and even some more structures. The company became so popular, they began to offer tours of their facilities And they even provided the flowers for the Piedmont Exposition and the Cotton States Exposition, which took place in Piedmont Park. So the water tower that you see today, which is the only remnant of the successful greenhouse operation, was completed in 1921. It's about 110 feet high, and it had a tank inside to hold 50,000 gallons of water. Ownership of the cemetery would change in the 1930s to a man that may sound familiar, Asa Candler Jr., And this decade of ownership change is actually very nuanced and detailed. It kind of went to another person first, but I'm going to stick with the big picture here uh, and talk about Asa. So this is a man that definitely needs his own episode. I'm going to wait till that book comes out about him. But he's the son of Asa Candler, the man who made Coca-Cola a national brand. And Junior was definitely his most unique child. I've spoken about this before when talking about the zoo, but Candler's most well-known period was after selling off his Coca-Cola shares, he uses the money to build his Briarcliff mansion, buy exotic animals, invest in numerous different ventures. He owned actually a lot of hotels, um, and he became involved in Westview around this time. Candler had grand plans for Westview. He led the cemetery out of difficult times in the Depression, um, and he expanded the gatehouse, so to have wings on each side. So the structure you see today, you can if you look really close, it's hard to tell because it's matched really well, but there's um, two extra wings that were on each end. In 1940, he began his master plan of changing Westview into a memorial park cemetery, which had been popular in California. 
So this newer style has grave sites marked by a simple brass marker that lays low to the ground. Proponents claimed that this democratized death, as in no one has a bigger monument than someone else, but in reality, it makes maintenance costs much cheaper. Being able to run your lawnmower over the grass without stopping, without edging, saves a lot of money. So when you're in Westview today, you can really date the cemetery sections by what you see. The sections with ornate or taller monuments are older, and then the areas that from afar just kind of look like a big field are post-1940. Now this would come back to haunt, no pun intended, uh, Asa Candler Jr. in later years, but we'll get to that in a minute. For me, Candler's best project was building the Westview Abbey. It's huge, about 500 by 300 feet. It's three stories tall, and inside it holds 11,444 crypts. It's one of the largest mausoleums in the country. This building alone is worth the trip to Westview, and I think the reason that is my favorite place and I love taking people there is seeing their reaction. So you can't really see it from the entrance, um, and as you snake around the roads, you're kind of looking at the headstones, and the mausoleum seems to appear before you. It's truly indescribable. It looks like stone, but it's really made of cast concrete. And I'm going to put photos for you guys um, on the site, so archiveatlantapodcast.com. You can look at the show notes. Because I'm really at a loss for words on how to explain this. Um, the mausoleum is always open, and you're welcome to go inside and explore. Now, the basement floor has crypts just like the second floor, which is the one you walk into, but it's dark down there, and honestly, it scares the bejesus out of me. The top floor was never finished, and it remains closed off to the public. Now, my favorite room inside the mausoleum is definitely the chapel, and I think that's everyone's favorite. It's named the Florence Candler Memorial Chapel after Asa's second wife. It has a vaulted ceiling, four giant chandeliers, uh, it has stained glass window masterpieces from California, um, and then it has a set of paintings by a Hungarian artist named Bartolomeu Mako. Again, you have to see this in person because it feels like you are seeing a, a European castle, you know, not a cemetery in Georgia. If you run the halls, you'll see more stained glass, more art. There's beautiful circular staircases. They have um, the original elevators. They don't work, but you can see all of the original pieces. Connected to this building, he constructed an administration building. It has office space. It had a full apartment for the caretaker, and it was designed to be a one-stop shop with dealing with the death of a loved one. So this was Candler's big idea. You know, the body could be brought in through the garage. There was an area for the mortician to prep the body. You could um, buy caskets there. Um, on the main floor, they had the viewing room. And then underground, beneath the two buildings, there's a tunnel that would allow you to move the casket from building to building without anyone seeing. Unfortunately, none of these rooms would ever really be used. In 1951, they passed Senate Bill 78. And that stipulated that all cemeteries had to operate under a new Georgia State Cemetery Board. And basically what it did was it made it illegal to own a cemetery while also operating as a mortician or selling caskets or anything like that. So it separated kind of the preparing for burial and the actual burial part. This had been passed on the heels of Candler dealing with multiple lawsuits from families upset that he'd cleared away any bushes or flowers that had been previously surrounding their loved ones. So remember earlier when I said he made it a memorial park, 
um, people were upset about the changes kind of in the scenery. So he had several lawsuits, and he positioned that this bill was passed directly to hurt him. And it really did. This marked the end of Candler's involvement with Westview. I was super lucky to be able to peek inside the administration building on my very special tour. Uh, and although it was never used, it's really creepy and cool. So there's, you know, the tile floor of kind of the prep room and the sinks and the, the furniture related to it. There's, you know, records room full of things. There's the apartment has all the mid-century furniture still in it. I always had a secret obsession with the urban exploration community. So I feel like this is my very legal, close encounter with uh, with urban exploration. But I'm going to put photos uh, from that day as well so you guys can see inside. Now, the, the Bowen family would become involved with Westview around 1952, and they or their descendants continue to be involved today. Now, before I get any hate mail, I know that I left out a lot of good information about Westview. Uh, a portion of it was the site of the Battle of Ezra Creek, there are both Union and Confederate soldiers buried here. There are supposed fortifications from the war hiding in the woods. And there's a grave of a soldier that was reinterred in the early 20th century. There was also a landfill on the property, a lake that was drained, a receiving vault that is sealed up, a carving of the Last Supper, as well as a grave marker carved by the same guy who did the Lincoln Memorial. I could be here all day, people. <laughs> But instead, I implore you to read Jeff's book. More importantly, go visit. Don't let the cemetery thing weird you out. Even if you only drive through and go to the outside of the abbey, I promise you it'll be worth the trip. The Atlanta Preservation Center has regular tours of Westview that um, I think they start in March after Phoenix flies. So make sure you take one of those. And this place is also a photographer's dream. So there's lots of photo shoots going on. And lately, I think it's probably been in every movie since Atlanta's become a filming destination. So there you have it. The abbreviated story of Westview Cemetery. Thank you for listening this week. Remember to review, rate, or share the podcast with your friends. And if you get some shots at Westview, definitely share them with me. You can hashtag Archive Atlanta. I'm always excited to see them. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. 